I found this quote in a New York Times article a few months ago that really stood out to me. It was this woman named Carlene who was moving into a new homeless shelter back in June. And she said in the paper, it's weird to be moving into this building. I used to work here. I said, I can't believe that I'm in Macy's. They took the shelter, just stuck it inside of Macy's. Macy's is not tore down, they just built within it. When we found her, she was sharing a room. The walls are temporary sheetrock. There's a little piece missing, and she said she can look through the hole and see what used to be the Macy's in the mall. You know, on the other side. And my reaction is that I'm here. You know, that's how I thought I'm here. My past repeating myself in a different way. From Business Insider and Stitcher, this is Household Name. Brands you can trust. Brands you know, stories you don't. I'm Dan Bobkoff. Today, the Macy's Home Department. For Carlene, Christmas time was always the best time at Macy's in her local mall. As a kid, she admired the big lights and holiday decorations. She couldn't always afford to shop there, but she loved to look. Years later, Macy's hired her as one of thousands of seasonal workers it needs every fall into the holidays. Now, Carlene lives in the Macy's, where she worked eight Christmases ago. It's a homeless shelter, and she's doing all she can to move out. The story of Carlene and this Virginia Macy's is also the story of what's happening to the middle class and how Americans have started to sour on the traditional department store. Stay with us. I'm not sure exactly when I stopped going to malls. I think it was in the last decade or so. As a kid, my family would pile into the station wagon and head to the mall in December to buy last-minute presents for each other. And we always entered the mall through the Macy's, and this place was decked out. There were trees and ornaments and oversized fake presents. And I didn't really think about it until we met Carlene, but Macy's and the holidays have gone together in America for like most of this country's history. That's the magic of Macy's. The first time Macy's stayed open until midnight on Christmas Eve, 1867. Here's a story from the New York Times on November 28, 1924. First sentence. Santa Claus chose Thanksgiving Day this year to come to town. He traveled from 145th Street all the way down to 34th, riding on a float as 10,000 kids and their parents looked on. It was the first Christmas parade, now known as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. What do you think of my parade? It's much better than last year's. Well, I hope Mr. Macy agrees with you. In 1947, there was Miracle on 34th Street. Mr. Macy, if you recognize the gentleman seated there, will you tell us who he is? Chris Kringle. Turns out Macy's had been employing the real Santa. Do you really believe that this man is Santa Claus? Well, I... And every decade, Macy's found some way to make itself a big part of the holidays. Sometimes reprising the characters from Miracle. Kringle, he'll be helping out today. Oh, but I made an appointment with Mr. Macy at 4 o'clock. Is there a Mr. Macy? Not since before I was born. Like in this ad, talking to Donald Trump. What's with the get-up, Kringle? I'm Santa Claus. Let me see for myself. Oh, go ahead. Pull it. I don't know why he keeps showing up in our episodes. Carlene and Christmas have always gone together, too. And I'm born a week from Christmas, so I like it. 
It was the early 60s, and not long after she was born, a new mall opened in Alexandria, Virginia. It was called Landmark. High school bands played for an opening ceremony, and tap dancers performed in a central stage. The crowd was packed. After it opened, Carlene would go there all the time as a kid. But the only time she really liked it there was around the holidays. It was beautiful. It was lit up. The outside was the main attraction. It was just pretty. The decoration was the trees, the lights to go around the sign of landmark. I would blink the names out. And in the mall, they had lights and stuff. Those was pretty. We bought whatever we could afford, like socks, underwears, jeans. It was not what you call popular, whatever we could afford for six kids or six girls. Back then, there wasn't a Macy's at Landmark. It was called Hex. Macy's bought that chain years later. When Carlene was a kid, most of the time her dad would take her to the Sears on the other end of Landmark Mall. She was not into it. My father, you know what? I couldn't stand it. He had a credit card from Sears, and I do not go shopping in Sears. Every time we need something, we go in Sears in the, ba- in the basement. Sears was boring, and I used to go to the, we went to the mall every other week. Carlene grew up just a few miles from the mall. My neighbor was called John Roberts Homes. The John Roberts Homes were an early kind of public housing. Not big towers, but rows of buildings with backyards and clotheslines. It was a pretty dwelling. We had our own sprinkles, big fields. We had like a little wreck at the end. And like on Memorial Day, we had um, a long round circle where they had roses. And we used to take it off and go to our family and put it on their graves. So we didn't buy them. We couldn't afford to buy roses anyway. Her parents divorced when she was seven. While her dad would take her to the Sears at the Landmark from time to time, her mom was doing most of the parenting. I have six other siblings and one brother. We did the best we could. We was on welfare, of course, eating oatmeal for breakfast every day, sometimes eating breakfast for dinner, running out of food before the end of the month, but we all loved one another. She did the best she could do. She died two years ago on November the 21st from kidney failure. She was a strong lady, though. I miss her. I really do. I wouldn't be here, but, you know, she's a strong lady. Did you learn a lot from her? Yes, I did. I learned how to cook, respect elders, you know, just be patient, and no matter what, just keep going forward. Also, she used to say, don't let no man, no, no point in tenant, don't let no man pay your rent, and I carried that with me. Yeah? Yeah. So, so you don't let any men pay your rent? No, I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, because when I say go, you go. Two things happened when Carlene turned 16. She started hanging out at the Landmark Mall food court to meet boys. And she got her first real job at the local recreation department, helping with kids' activities. She said the kids had no respect. What did they do? They throw stuff at you, spit at you, call your names, or pinch you. So, you know, there's nothing you can do. You have to deal with it. Oh, man. Little rug rat. That does not sound fun. No, but that's how they were. They couldn't take it out on their mother, so their mother let them take it out on us. They brought them here. And you were only 16? Yeah, 16. And that was my money for my summer clothes to go back to school. There wasn't much money left after she bought those clothes. But the Landmark Mall was still where she spent most of her time, often at those food court eateries. Yes, the eateries was where you would meet a guy. When you were window shopping, you couldn't afford to pay for stuff, or your friends was going to buy something, and all you had was money to buy the food, so you would go up to the eatery and just meet people and chat. That was the hang-up for us. She liked going to the Chinese and chicken stands. First, I would go with the people that I knew and just meet other people. How would you strike up conversations? Hi, how you doing? <laughs> That's how we always just sit down in the seat taking. You know, kids, you just talk. 
And we just get to talk and then we exchange numbers. And, so, and when they have a game at their school, we used to go when they had a game at our school, they used to come. Did you uh, get any boyfriends out of that? Not in my mother's house. <laughs> not, not in my mother's house. As I listen to Carlene talk, I realize that this mall has been the focal point of so many important moments in her life. Like, take her second job. It was at the U.S. Patent Office. Even at 17, she figured out that working for the government could be a good gig. So she'd sit there filing designs. And I would file them half the time. I used to look at the designs. They was beautiful. There's this one design she really liked. You might recognize it. It just put like a little mark on it. And then the flower design. So when you went back to the mall, did you ever see that tennis shoe? Yeah, because it was Adidas, and that's what I like to wear, and I still wear Adidas today. Carlene described what Landmark Mall looked like back then, and it's just such a quintessential middle-class American mall. What would I see was, I was, okay, I would see the tennis shoe store, which is, uh, it's Payless. I would see, I would go past the um, part where they had the don't, the pretzels, and they would duck them, and we would say, wow, we want a pretzel. Or we would play up and down the elevator, or we would take the change we had and put it in a bubblegum machine, the big bubble bugs coming out. Those were stored, and then we just walked around to, we got to the eatery, and that, that was a wrap. How many were you? Was it a big group? It, no, three or four of us. We had to sneak. Half the time, people didn't have money to pay for them other kids to go. So through the week, we would save our money. Sometimes we didn't eat lunch at school just to go to the mall. As Carlene got older, the city of Alexandria started changing. Affordable housing became even more scarce. Then the land around John Roberts' homes where she lived with her mom and siblings got a lot more valuable when a new D.C. metro stop opened next door. So, in 1982, the city of Alexandria sold the housing project. The housing authority said at the time that rent hadn't kept up with expenses, that they needed the money from the sale to avoid bankruptcy. Only one city council member voted against the plan. Nelson Green said at the hearing, we probably should consider the people living there. The Washington Post noted Green was the only black councilman. Carlene's family was forced to move, but she still kept going to the mall to hang out. The bad moments when I didn't have any money to go, or I didn't have any money to get nothing to eat, so we just went and just sat around. But it was, somehow or another, it would always be somebody there who would give us food. Did something happen in your life that led you not to have money at that moment? And one parent. Yeah. Being on welfare, not having a job. Mm. You know, my mother, I, I know she was struggling. I'm not going to go ask her for money unless I really needed it or something. That's what would happen. If you haven't heard of Alexandria, let me tell you about it. Today, it's a city of 155,000. And because it's commutable to D.C., it's home to a lot of government workers. But originally, it was a slave trading port, and there was a very historic center to Alexandria called the Old Town along the Potomac River. Over the years, it's changed a lot. First of all, it's not affordable to live. And it's like we're in a little circle. We got all these big homes around us, and the hood is in a circle. They have changed, and then we can't afford to live. So people, it's a lot of homeless people. Then they got rid of the shelters. It's just terrible to me. It's depressing. The first time Carlene experienced homelessness was about 20 years ago, in her mid-30s. Well, you know, me and my mother more alike than different. We just could not live together. And so I left. Why? 
because I she got her ways and I have my ways. And I, you know, if I couldn't deal with her ways or couldn't respect her house, you had to go. So she went. And sometimes she slept outside, standing up, or she'd lie down in fields or in people's cars. It was terrifying. It was cold. You know, you, you sleep, but you're not sleeping because every word, every sound, you're just popping up. And then you got to worry like about— one eye open. Yeah, you got to worry about getting raped, killed, or whatever. She says it was easier to bounce back from being homeless when she was younger. She would find new jobs and new places to live, even if there wasn't a permanent solution. And along the way, she had four kids. Eric is 30, China is 25, Rashad is 21, and Malik is 14. I don't know what I was thinking. I had a baby at 42. In 2010, the holidays were approaching. The decorations were starting to go up at Landmark Mall, and Carlene needed a new job. It was Christmas time, and I needed more money for my kids, so we had this place that's called JobLink. I would go to JobLink, get on the computer, and see who was hired. And I said, wow, I'm qualified for this. So I'm doing the patent office, so I actually went to Macy's. They hired me on the spot, and that's how I ended up in Macy's. What did you do there? I did pricing to go around and scan the price tags. If it's clearance, markup, or sales, I would change the prices of the clothes, which consists of like 2,500 pieces a day. And I stayed in the kids' department because I had children, but I could not afford the clothes. So I always looked at it, always priced it, and always admired it. It was just too outrageously too high. Like Kenneth Coles, who was out back then? I don't know. All I know, there was design. I can't even remember the designers back there. All I know for a shirt, for $19 for a baby shirt, was not in my budget. When I can go to, like, Kmart's and get it. The shoes was too expensive. It was baby fat jeans then, which was $30 for some jeans. I probably would put it in the washer and mess them up. So, no, I wasn't doing it. So you ended up buying stuff at Kmart instead? I sure did. And put a long shirt on and thought they were the same jeans. <laughs> so you found the secret to a good deal. Yes, I did. But what's happening while she's working at the Macy's is that retail in this country is changing really dramatically. This is right after the recession officially ended, but the economy is rough. About a million retail jobs are lost around 2010. And then after that, retail jobs start to bounce back to the same levels as before the recession, but not in department stores. Hundreds of thousands of department store jobs are lost and never come back. Macy's has closed 200 stores, a quarter of its total, in the last four years, which actually isn't as bad as some other chains. Carlene ended up getting a new job away from Landmark at a Target store. We called it Target. Target? Yes, we did. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. So there was more stuff to find there than at Macy's for you. Yes, affordable. Yes. I wouldn't say more. It was more it was affordable in my price range. Even after all this time, she kept going back to Landmark, just like she had since she was a little kid. I shopped there until it closed. The Macy's went out in 2017. Then the rest of the mall closed for good a few weeks later. There was just one exception, Sears. It's still open somehow. It's the only shop left there. I stopped going when it was no longer a mall, and I'm not going to Sears. She never liked that Sears, even when her dad took her there as a kid. Obviously, it wasn't just Carlene who's been affected in one way or another by the mall closing. This place was the lifeblood of the city's retail economy for so many decades. So what happens when a mall goes bust, and how does a Macy's become a shelter? That's in a minute.
We're back. So if you're like me and you were thinking retail is tanking because of online shopping, well, let me just start this segment by saying you're wrong. Walmart's doing great. So are luxury malls. But I still wanted to know why department stores like Macy's are struggling and why middle-class malls like Landmark are disappearing. And the person with the answers is Business Insider senior correspondent Haley Peterson. Hi, Haley. Hi, thanks for having me. There are a number of factors that are contributing to the decline of these mid-tier retailers. You had the recession where a lot of consumers started shopping at discount retailers like TJ Maxx and dollar stores and a growing number of people that would have uh, shopped at these mid-tier retailers like Macy's and Sears are now moving to dollar stores. And a lot of them, as the economy improved, never went back to shopping full price. So these mid-tier retailers did a lot of promotions. Macy's and Sears and JCPenney, they did tons of promotions. 40% off, 70% off. And people got used to that. And they just didn't go back to shopping full price. And so you continue to see these discounters doing really well. And as the economy has improved and uh, the income uh, brackets have sort of bifurcated, these lower tier discount stores are doing much better than the mid-tier retailers at the same time. At the other end of the income spectrum, you've got these high-end luxury malls doing pretty well. And so you said that income's bifurcated. What happened exactly? The middle class in America is shrinking. More and more people, either by choice, by wanting to save money from, from what they learned during the recession, or also having to spend a greater share of their wallets on rising healthcare costs, schooling costs, and technology, they're spending less on apparel. And that's all leading to a downturn, a decline in shopping malls. Are people also just less interested in shopping? You could definitely make that argument. What you're seeing now in malls that are doing renovations, that are trying to survive, are that they are bringing grocery retailers and experiences. We've seen trampoline parks and movie theaters, all kinds of different experiential retail as opposed to simply buying things like apparel and accessories and shoes. Among the stores closing, the Macy's at Landmark Mall in Alexandria. It comes as I asked Haley how important those anchor department stores like JCPenney and Macy's, how important those stores are to the life of a mall like Landmark. When an anchor tenant like Macy's closes, it can lead to a decades-long decline for a shopping mall. It can take a really long time for these shopping malls to close. What happens is Macy's and Sears and JCPenney, these are huge traffic drivers for shopping malls. And so when one of them closes, that loses rent for the owner of the shopping mall, and that also leads to a decline in traffic, not just for those anchor tenants, but also for those middle-of-the-mall stores like J. Crew and American Apparel, probably shouldn't use that example since American Apparel no longer exists, a decline in traffic, a decline in rent for the shopping mall owners, and shopping mall owners will try to find a replacement tenant. If that doesn't happen, another anchor tenant could close. And when you've got two anchor tenants closed at a shopping mall, that's almost like a death knell. It's a death spiral for these shopping malls. So a local shopping center is on its way out. Landmark Mall off Duke Street in Alexandria is shutting its doors to make way for a new brand new... Many Macy's locations closed in early 2017, including the one at the Landmark Mall. Nearly 120 workers there were affected. After talking to Haley, I got the sense that after a mall closes, it can have this crazy ripple effect on the entire community. Once a mall closes, it can set off a chain reaction. Small businesses nearby close, too. 
And what's left is just this giant empty building in the middle of a vast parking lot. No more discount furniture. No more dating in the food courts. No more Christmas spirit. And for a lot of struggling malls, death comes slowly. I didn't realize how slowly until our producer Anna Mazarakis showed me something. Wait, wait, wait. So there's a deadmalls.com? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I need to Google this. Deadmalls.com. Search for the landmark mall. There's an archive there. Here it is. Oh, there's commentary. User submitted in March of 2005. So this is a long time ago. And it says here, like many other D.C. area malls, Landmark Mall is in a real pickle. So Anna, this is the beginning of the journey that leads to the Macy's becoming a homeless shelter. Yeah, I found out it's been a a long time in the making for both the shelter and for the Macy's. When you show up on deadmalls.com probably a decade before you close, it really is kind of the marketplace telling you you should get a different uh, use there. Who is this? This is Mark Bulmash. He's the senior vice president at the Howard Hughes Corporation, which owns the Landmark Mall. And he told me that Howard Hughes has big plans for the mall, but those plans are still a few years from happening. So at the beginning of 2017, he heard from someone who had a big new idea for what could happen in the Macy's in the meantime. I don't know what Mark's initial reaction was. This is that someone. His name is Shannon Steen, and he runs the Carpenter Shelter in Alexandria. But back in 2017, they had a little bit of a problem because they had lived in an old DMV for about 20 years, and they realized that DMV was getting a little bit too old. So they decided that they had to redo it, but that would mean that they would be homeless for a little bit. So it was up to Shannon and his staff to find a new place to live while that construction was going on. We all huddled in a, in a conference room and talked about, so where do we go temporarily? Carpenters had a history of being in warehouses, um, and so we knew that might be in the realm of possibility. We thought about maybe— They were thinking an old warehouse, maybe an old church, or an old school. And then someone said, you know, the ideal place would be the Landmark Mall. And there was sort of a pause in the conversation and many people chuckled, but the seed had been planted. There was a surprise and I needed to mull it over. This is Mark again. It's an out-of-the-box idea, right? We, We needed to think about it. I needed to convince our organization that... Uh, we could do it, right? That we had the time between getting the doing the planning and getting the entitlements that we could put them in and not delay our starting construction on our project. But in the end, it was an easy decision because it was the right thing to do. So then what happened? Okay, so Howard Hughes was on board, but then Shannon Steen had to go to the city of Alexandria to make sure that they would sign off on it. In the meantime, there's a controversial plan that would utilize the empty space as a temporary homeless shelter. So he went to their planning commission meeting, and they waited the whole night through this very contentious schools issue until finally, at 11 o'clock, it was their turn. And so Shannon's sitting there, worried, bracing himself for what he thinks these anxious Alexandrians might say about homeless people living in an old mall. And so imagine, much to my surprise, that there was only one person who had registered to speak and testify at that hearing. And so she stood up and um, she said, this is exactly the project uh, we want to see in our community. It puts a lump in your throat. So that's how a Macy's turned into a homeless shelter. Okay, I just pulled up to the Macy's, to the Carpenter Shelter in Alexandria, Virginia. 
and let's go on inside. I pulled into this huge parking lot that surrounds Landmark Mall. There are hundreds of empty spaces. It's so empty, I could do huge U-turns. It's so empty, there's sometimes an entire carnival in the parking lot. It's so empty, they shot part of the next Wonder Woman movie in the lot. I saw the Sears that's still open, somehow, at the end of the mall, but I headed in the other direction. Walking up to the shelter, you can see the outline of where it used to say Macy's, and it now has a little sign that says Carpenter Shelter on top of it. So I went inside. Carlene wasn't there when I visited because she was at work. Most days, she is at work. So instead, I met Blair Copeland. She's the director of programming at the Carpenter okay, Shelter. Hi, Hi Anna. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. There are people who still come in and think this is a Macy's. Occasionally, there'll be someone who says, I want to return something. And I'm like, how, how could you? They're, stop. First of all, the mall's been closed for like two years. And secondly, it doesn't look like Macy's anymore. So Blair took me around, and everything was very clean, very sanitized, very new. The walls were completely white, and you couldn't really tell that there had been much of a life beforehand, except for when you looked down at the ground. The floor. The, the carpet is clearly resale carpet. So you look at the carpet, and you can tell you're in a Macy's. But then you look at the furniture, and the chairs look like they could belong in a school cafeteria. The tables are square and small. And as you're walking around, there's a a narrow hallway, and you pass a doctor's office, a literal doctor's office on the right side. There's a conference room for meetings on the left. There's a little playroom for the kids on the left, right next to that conference room. And then there are two long hallways off of that that go, one goes toward the women's rooms and the family rooms, and the other hallway goes towards the men's rooms. (laughs) I saw two of the bigger rooms that had six beds. Most of them are bunked. And they have huge dressers as well. But in the rooms where people are actually living, they really make it their own. I was there in the afternoon, and there aren't many people around. Most of the residents were at their jobs. They have to have jobs or look for work to live there. And as we're walking around, Blair and I come across some boys in the hallway. Hello, gentlemen. Where's your mother? About a quarter of the residents are kids. Can you just hang out there and wait for me? So this is a rule that's pretty tightly enforced. They have to stay with their parents. And these boys' mother said that it's been kind of hard for them. You know, they feel like they're 16. They shouldn't have to follow mommy everywhere they go. But are they dealing with it? Yeah, they're dealing with it because they know this is only temporary. It's not a full term. The shelter's here temporarily, too. The Carpenter Shelter's lease at the old Macy's is up at the end of 2019. And at that time, they're going to move into a brand new building that has a shelter on the first floor, and then on the above floors, they're going to have 97 new affordable housing units, something that Alexandria could use a lot more of. Is it really bad there? Yeah, the city lost 90% of its affordable housing stock since 2000. And at the same time, rent for a one-bedroom apartment has gone up more than 90%. Some people ask us, why are people homeless? And because they have nowhere to live that they can afford. You fix that by creating more affordable housing. You know, I just tell residents, you know, there are about 15 full-time staff here. Actually, now I think about it, there's only two people who can afford to live here in the state of Alexandria, and we get paid, you know, pretty decent salaries. Wait, wait, wait. So let me get this straight. Even the shelter staff with full-time jobs, they can't afford to live in Alexandria? Exactly. It's crazy. 
But as for the landmark mall, the Howard Hughes Corporation plans to tear it down and build one of those fancy shopping centers that you've probably seen that has a movie theater and retail stores and restaurants and some offices and residences, too. All right. Thanks, Anna. And in a moment, what Carlene's life is like now in the Macy's and what it will take for her to get back into a home of her own. We're back. This is where everybody meet out here. For your leisure time, smoke cigarettes, keep the bubble. We met Carlene on a different day at Carpenter's. We smoke and do whatever we do out here. Get, get cancer. <laughs> and I got the sense hearing her walk through these corridors, she can still picture what this building looked like as a Macy's around Christmas time. The clothes and Christmas lights she'd see as a kid or as a seasonal worker. And as I proceed through there, it was the kids' department on the side, the boys' department, then I keep going down through the aisle. It was the infants' department, and then there was escalators that you would go up to the steps, and that was the whole world up there, the men's, the women's, all kinds of stuff upstairs. And now as you walk through, what does it look like? It must look very different. It would look like an old abandoned warehouse, but new. That's what it looked like to me with chairs and tables and people going through what they're going through. So where are you sitting right now? I am sitting in the kids' department. This won't come as a surprise, but it felt very different when she first walked through those same Macy's doors back in June, this time as her temporary home. She said she felt... Confused. Sorry for myself. Or how did I get here? Depressed. Did you used to talk to people about uh, um, how you used to work in the store? Yeah, I sure did. The people that I, you know, that I talked to was close, I sure did. And let them know, I said, can you believe this was Macy's, blah, blah, blah. And we would laugh it off, yes. She's been in shelters for seven months now, the last four here, bouncing around ever since she left her daughter's home. I used to live with my daughter who's, who's practicing, who's drugging now. They had a major falling out. Whenever her daughter couldn't get drugs, Carlene said she'd take it out on her. And it came to a time when she was disrespecting me and so much that I couldn't take it. Carlene can't go back to her daughter's. She said it'd be like suicide to go back there. Her other kids, she said, don't care enough to check what happened to her. So for now, she's here. People laughing, go in the bathroom. We just take the shower here. Sometimes we take the chairs and put them up here and just talk. It's more, seemed like more comfortable in the bathroom than keeping someone's up. So that's what we do. What's your room like? Oh boy. I mean, it consists of six beds. It's like, it's a cubicle, but I respect it. Took a, it took a minute to get used to. It's like bump to bump, you know. You can't move all at one time past each other. It's been some rough times. You have to respect people's space. Some people don't want you to spray perfume. Some people don't want you to turn the light on. Some people, you turn the light off. I lay in a bump at the bottom. I take a big towel and cover the bottom of my bed, and I'm in my own world. What do you think about when you lie there? Uh, when I'm going to leave. My, my day is off today. Unbelievable. After six days, working from 3 to 10, 11th Street. 
The day we spoke to Carlene, she was tired. She'd had a long week working at a deli. It was right before Hurricane Florence. Oh, how was my week was going? It was terrible. It was like the people was panicking as if the day was ended. And every time I turned around, the people were just going in and bought all the water, all the deli meat, because it's like less perishable. And it was a busy work. I worked 38 day, um, hours straight. Today I'm actually off, and I am exhausted. The deli is the best job she could find. It's hard when you're in your late 50s to find work. It pays $12 an hour. She's studying phlebotomy so she can get a job drawing blood at doctor's offices. There are a lot more healthcare jobs these days. Phlebotomy jobs, medical jobs, coding jobs. That's what I'm good at. I'm good at numbers, so. She said she needs a job that pays at least $40,000 a year. Rent prices average around $1,400 for a one-bedroom in Alexandria. So even on that salary, she'd be spending almost half her income on rent. The city's affordable housing office even says you'd have to be working four full-time jobs at minimum wage to be able to afford a one-bedroom. Until then, Carlene said she had nowhere to go, won't go back to her daughters, can't afford to live in Alexandria, and doesn't have a car so she can live outside the city. She dreams of buying a used Honda Accord. But some things are happening. Carlene met someone at the mall, in a sense. Here in a shelter. His name is M. Green, Mr. Green. You know, he was in here for a minute. He had went through some changes. Very educated. Had became an alcoholic for a minute and didn't let his family know. He was only here a couple of weeks. I don't know. And I needed to get on the internet to do a resume. And he knew all about the computers. And from then on, we just talked. Would you call him your boyfriend? Sure would. We call this, nowadays it's friends. Boyfriend is for kids. We call him my friend, yes. Oh, my uh-huh. significant other, yeah. So uh, when you get out, you think you might live together? No. Unless I get married, I ain't living no man. Excuse me. I'm so, <laughs> no point in it. He has I, to wait. You never then. know. You never know. He is a nice guy. I was hoping this would be the story's happy ending. But the day Carlene and I talked was actually scheduled to be her last day at Carpenter's Shelter. She didn't want to leave. After I talked to you... I have to go to an appeal to see if I can stay. A few days later, we called her back. She said the shelter gave her a two-week extension. She was depressed, worried, maybe even resigned that she'll end up on the streets again. Maybe using drugs, she said, to dull the pain. She said she can't live with Mr. Green because she doesn't want to be with a man just to have a place to live. They hadn't talked in four days. But for now, she looks through that hole in the sheetrock in her bedroom, peering into the empty Macy's where she once worked, and dreams about a good job, a one-bedroom apartment, and that used Honda Accord. And maybe by next Christmas, after she's moved out of that old Macy's, she'll have a home of her own. Special thanks to Michael Corkery of The New York Times, who introduced us to Carlene. This episode was produced by Anna Mazarakis, Claire Rawlinson, and me with Sarah Wyman and Amy Padula. Our editor is Gianna Palmer. Sound design and original music by Casey Holford and John Delore. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon, Jenny Radelet, Laura Mayer, and me. Before you go, I want to tell you about a new show also from Stitcher that launched this week. It's called The Dream, and it's a 12-part investigation into the world of multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts now. 
And next week, we're actually going to bring you a part of the Dream's investigation in an episode about Amway. Here's a sneak peek. It seemed as though the government had decided that multi-level marketing was a fraudulent business model. And they were doing great for about 10 years. They were taking down several of the biggest companies and very high-profile cases. And then it changed with that Amway case. Tune in next week. And since we're nearly at the end of season one, why not rate and review us on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us keep making the show and reach new people. Thanks for your support. Household Name is a production of Insider Audio. Stitcher. 